Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his legs. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. Um, you'll be glad to know that on a Sunday evening when the superb owl is taking up everybody else's interests, we are pulling ourselves away from the halftime entertainment to uh, talk a bit about uh, goings on with all things Petaudry. So joining me uh, is uh, a, a fellow NFL aficionado, Martin Clunes. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Martin. Thanks very much for asking. Uh, and someone who I think has little to no interest in the NFL at all, Richard Hay. I think you're speaking to someone who, back in the mid-80s, had uh, a San Francisco 49ers notebook. Thank you very much. Uh, my team then, my team now. They play in red and white. What more do you need? And we're very good in the <coughs> 80s. So, you know, you can see the attraction. Um, a team that's been very, very good in the 80s and have completely failed to deliver in the 40 years or so since. So. It's, worth, it's worth pointing out, just in case anyone thinks we are recording this at two in the morning to avoid pressure, <coughs> that, that we're not actually doing that. But, but anyway... <laughs> No, no, because in actual fact, we all wanted to catch that at the Usher halftime show. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, hopefully that I mean, a lot of people have made the San Francisco 49ers Aberdeen analogy. So, if anything, uh, uh, a San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl win may 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 be a a, a portent of good fortunes to come. Um, and in 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 the subject of uh, trying to win silverware, um, the the most recent game that we had was our Scottish Cup tie against Bonnie Rig Rose, um, a team that I had seen before in the Scottish Cup against uh, Fraserburgh back on what I think must have been round two. Very disappointed to find out that the uh, six foot six striker that I was uh, speaking very unknowledgeably about in the last podcast had actually moved since then is now plays for Edinburgh City but um, uh, in his absence I think the, the rest of their team performed pretty admirably um, as as did their away support so maybe starting right at the very beginning Richard um, the best supported away club from Midlothian discuss <laughs> um, yeah it's uh, obviously there have been many games that both Hearts and Hibs have struggled to reach those numbers, let alone the, the other clubs in the SPFL. Um, so, but big cup tie for them. Um, glad it was Saturday at 3pm as far as they're concerned. Makes it a lot easier for their away support to make it up. Um, and yeah, it had the feel of a, a proper big team versus a lower league team in the cup. And obviously... Having had that period um, of about seven or eight years where we could uh, rest easy when it came to those draws, um, our spidey senses with regards to the shocks working overtime at the moment, and we can't go into any of these games taking them too lightly. I don't think it was a case of taking Bonnie Rig too lightly. It, it was a case, however, of um, getting those two goals in the first half and, and 
really, I think, thinking it was job done. Uh, there's certainly a discussion that we had about the uh, selection, the team selection, first off, because I don't know whether this is Warnock from his time in England, where, you know, rotation for the cup ties is much more a thing, um, or whether it was just a general belief that the team needed freshening up, that he wanted to see some different faces, and he felt that a game like this against the lower league opposition was an opportunity to do that. Um, there's a lot of ways you can look at that team. One of the things I spotted was that everybody in that starting eleven are people who are contracted to be here beyond the end of this season, which is a very... It, that may have been total coincidence, but if it is, it's a very forward kind of thinking thing for a guy that's just going to be here until the summer to do, to consider. Um, you know, certainly we know that Keller Roos, for example, isn't going to be here beyond the summer, um, which, frankly, is probably good news. Um, and we made the changing goal, Ross Duan getting his debut. Um, he did what he needed to do. I, I think it would be very harsh to suggest that uh, Keller Roos wouldn't have also kept a clean sheet against that on on Saturday, but uh, in terms of his distribution with his feet as well, he wasn't being pressured in terms of any high press by by Bonnie Rigg. They were very much retreating to the halfway line um, whenever we had goal kicks or anything. So there was there was no repeat of God another those goal kick uh, short goal kicks against Dundee the other night might have ended me quite frankly. Um, so there was no repeat of that, no pressure on him. Uh, to, to really see how he deals with the ball at his feet, which is obviously so important now for a goalkeeper at this level. Um, whether he keeps his place for Wednesday is going to be is going to be really interesting. I think. I think the other changes, again, we know broadly speaking, and he's flexible. He he's proven he can be flexible in terms of formation, but that he does like to see wingers and wing play. So the setup was a four three three, but the only pace we've got in the team really is Shaden Morris, and he was. Uh, he started on the right wing. Interesting as well, if you think to Ibrox, we had Johnny Hayes in further up the park, again on the sort of left wing position, again with the same sort of intention, both I think, not just from an attacking perspective at Ibrox, and we'll come on to talk about that, but also from, from a defensive perspective as well, being able to uh, get back and do his work defensively. Um, so we saw Morris on the right, and we started off actually with Dante Pulvara on the left-hand side, which is not obviously someone who is very well fitted to that. Um, he was able to make use of his physicality to get forward and uh, produce a very good assist for the second goal. Almost almost like that sort of white target man thing, cutting inside. But I think it shows the limitation on the squad, really, that we, we were so lopsided that we started off with Pulvara on that left wing. After about half an hour with um, Miofsky having played a little bit deeper, um, not quite a t traditional number 10 role, almost like a, a sh sort of shadow striker role behind Lopez. Switch things up, put Lopez out to a left, um, Pulvara in the middle, and then Miofsky further forward. And whether it was that change or whether it was just because, you know, those two goals in the first 30-odd minutes had pretty much killed the tie... There wasn't really much from that point onwards. I'm not going to suggest that the, the experiment of playing Miofsky a little bit deeper really worked and sort of was the key to the game, but it, was, it wasn't it was not working, if you know what I mean. It was We were still able to get Miofsky into the box and be on the end of the key moments. There were certainly lots of points in that game where he was coming really deep, and it felt a little bit frustrating in that half first half hour because... 
you know, you want him in between the goalposts. You want him in the opposition penalty box. So so it was a little bit odd to, to, to see him in that role. But as I say, no harm done. It didn't not work. Um, and if anything, we were less effective when we ended up putting Miofsky, uh back in his traditional number nine role. On the subject of uh, Miofsky, he was obviously on the score sheet again with uh, a brace of goals, taking his tally up to 22 in total. We've obviously... Uh, waxed lyrical about him a number of times, Martin, but again, evidencing what it what a difference it makes to have a, a, a clinical finisher like him uh, at, at the top of the park. Um, and, and in many respects, it really was the difference between the two teams, because in spite of what on, on paper looks a, a comfortable enough victory, getting two goals up relatively early and, and seeing that out, the, the, the reality of the game was it was actually a very competitive affair. It was, yeah. I mean, after like after the two goals, it kind of, you know, I think as Richard says, it seemed to be a case of, oh, we're comfortable that will maybe do. Um, and I suppose if you're being, if you weren't being cynical about it, you could say, well, it did. Um, but I think that you know, there's still, as, as as I said in the last podcast, these guys are you know playing to try and you know they're not necessarily try, playing for their futures because as Richard points out, they're both all contracted. Um, for at least another year, um, but you would like to think that you know there are people, the people looking on. Whoever the next manager is, will be keeping tabs on this sort. Will eventually be keeping tabs on this sort of thing, or will be getting reports on this sort of thing. So um, the the way the game after the two goals, which were absolutely lovely. I mean, the, particularly the, 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 that finish for the first one, just how narrow it was, uh, how narrow the finish was. It's just it's just brilliant. I mean, you know, my every, every every game was seemed to. We seem to add another another zero or another number on his transfer fee. I mean, this guy is just just wonderful, and you know, um, I've got a spoiler for any you know if for any Celtic or Rangers fans that may be interloping and listening into this, you have got no fucking chance of getting this guy. He is he is miles above above your club's level. Um, I can tell that's you can have that for free. Uh, just two what two wonderful finishes from him again, um, doing. Exactly what you would we expect from him. Exactly what you know you can do. Totally agree with Richard earlier as well. I, I don't really, I don't really like him. You know, dropping deep and coming back. You know, I think you know, perhaps you know, Neil Warnock wants to try something different with him. That's fine. But when he's up the right end of the pitch, um, you can absolutely see the best of him and see what he can do. Um, and he's ju- he's just a wonderful, wonderful player. After the two goals. You no, know, we just—I think I thought I thought that we kind of kind of went into ourselves a little bit, um, and then I mean the manager did say when he was interviewed after the game he was disappointed in some of the substitutes um, because really what was it you know he made the changes on just about fifty-five minutes I think it was, and the game really did slip into a bit of a coma after that. Um, you know we could have you could have you know you could have rung the bell. After that half, after half an hour, and you know, sorry, after sixty minutes, and nothing was really going to change, um, you know. But no, but credit to no, I don't. It sounds patronising. Credit to Bonnie Rig Rose. I thought they did. I thought they you know they, they presented you know, a, a challenge for us. You no, know, they, they they certainly they certainly were in the game at points, and fair play to them on that. Um, but. Uh, in the end, it was it was fairly comfortable for us, but you know, 
there's still there's still questions to come. Um, I think some of the players, you know, didn't really didn't really shine. Um, certainly, still not con- still not convinced about um, about Shaden Morris. I think some of his play um, left a little bit to be desired. Um, and you know, these are and. I, I on, on the subject of Shaden Morris, the first the first goal because I only I only, I didn't catch this at the time, but I only it was only after reading some of it afterwards that I've, I've went back to the video to check it. Does he not make the defender and the assist for the first goal? I think he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you put with the pressure. I think. think I know. I know. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but too, think, that's too busy. Gu- well, too well, that was gushing, intended or not? Too, 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 over, too busy gushing over Majowski's finish um, that I've, <laughs> you've, I've actually draw, I've actually gone blank. As much as you know, I want, I, I do want to give credit to Bonnie Rig. You have to also, you know, be aware that they are you know, a, a couple of divisions below us, and you know the, the level. I mean, you can tell the level they're below us, and no disrespect to him, but Jack McKenzie powering past their left back to get crosses in, um, when it's not something he tends to really do a lot, um, you know, says that you know, they're playing against a, a lesser opposition. Um, and I thought Morris, you know, given that he's the only guy we've got. With any real no to give us any real width, um, or certainly on the pitch that gave us any real width, really kind of I, I kind of be wanting more from him. Yeah, and Richard, if that if that was a style of play that Neil Warnock wants to pursue going forward, then then Martin's absolutely right. We we, we are kind of limited in the number of players you could really usefully play in those kind of wide positions. Shaden Morris is probably the only, um, well, along with Johnny Hayes, they are probably the only players that are kind of natural wingers. Um, it, within the squad. So if we were to continue to play that kind of maybe four-three-three with a couple of progressive, I mean very very similar to the way that we maybe played under uh, Derek McInnes when it was Hayes and McGinn undertaking those roles. Um, but do you, do you fear that that is maybe more of just trying to fit square pegs into round holes, or uh, is there is there a, is there a future in playing that way even with the squad that we have available to us? I think we're more likely to end up seeing a sort of invert four two three one with inverted wide players. Um, maybe asking McGrath to play out wide, maybe Hayes on the left, maybe maybe trying to utilise Morris on those games where you think there might be space in behind. Although he's a very blunt instrument to to make it as kind as I can possibly be to him. Um, it wasn't very good on Saturday. Let's be clear about this. It wasn't anything to write home about whatsoever. Um, I'm suggesting that you know once we got the second, we thought it was game over, which I think I think we did. I think once we'd taken Miofsky off, it would have been really really interesting to see what had happened had Bonnie Rigros got one back at that point, because we are so reliant on Miofsky right now. That's six games, and nobody else has scored. But Miofsky to go six games and not score. Well, we're used to that over the past couple of seasons. That's probably less. Uh, unusual than what we're seeing right now, whereas it's only Boyan Miofsky at scoring. You know, it's only him that scored against St. Johnston. Only him that scored. Well, he scored at Tynecastle. If it weren't for VAR, that would have stood. Only him that scored against Dundee. Only him that scored against Celtic at Ibrox and on Saturday. It's one thing for your striker to be on form and scoring, but for God's sake, can somebody else step up and give him a hand, please? Yeah, and, and and Martin on on that kind of broader theme in in relation to the performance on Saturday. I mean, again, I mean, a lot of people will 
say, and quite rightly at the end of the day, it's about winning the, the match and, and, and moving on into the, the next round of the competition. Um, obviously, the Scottish Cup draw has now been made now and um, it has us uh, with a home tie against Kilmarnock which will be a challenging match. Um, a team currently above us in the league and a good number of points ahead of us as well. They are they are going to be our target towards the rest of the season for what will likely be fourth place now with Hearts something like 22 points ahead of us now, um, such as the state of play that we're in these days. Um, but in, 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 in relation to the, the, the people that maybe could have had an opportunity to put their hands up. We had uh, four or five changes in the first team squad, plus the players that came on during the rest of the game. I, I still come back, and similar to the, what the performance was like in relation to Clyde, I was kind of hoping that there would be more of a uh, effort from those players to impress and, and really make a case to be involved in the team for the league fixtures in the cup competition going forward. Did did, did you feel there was anyone that really... And, and, and did, amongst the normal starters as well, did you feel there was anyone that really put their their hand up outside of Boyan? I mean, you look at sort of defence, like someone like Angus McDonald, who I know, Donald, who I know is playing because Rubicic is injured. Um, I mean, the, if, you, if you don't keep a clean sheet against opposition like Bonnie Rigg, then, you know, you're going to get criticism. I mean, he kept a clean sheet, but it's the least, at least I would expect, you know. Um, they, they did create some chances. There was a few goal mouth Rames as well, which you know is a little bit you know you know it, I'd, I would have liked to see that be a little bit more composed. Um, yeah, you know, a, de- a devil in clearance off the goal line isn't the kind of thing which uh, exudes confidence no, either, is no, it? It, yeah. abs- it absolutely isn't. No, um, and you, you're wanting you're wanting to see the players that are coming on. You know, I mean, you know, like Ryan Duncan came on after an hour. You know, Barron, Barron came on. Phillips obviously came on for Shinny at half time. Um, Probably just to stop Shinny getting himself sent off, I would imagine. Um, you know, Sockler as well. And you're ho- you're hoping that I mean, like I said, it's annoying that I mean, I joked about the game slipping into a coma, like oh, ha ha, very, but it's not funny because you know I've said this before that you know other teams, other teams in the league, keep their foot on the throat until the very end of the game and want to you know want to rack up goals and want to get them you know get themselves, you know, into contention for places and you know, when they're when other teams make subs, you know, I mean I don't I will go back to that that Celtic game where we absolutely collapsed in the last you know in the eight minutes of injury time and they kept their foot on the throat and they absolutely went for us. Are we not capable of doing that? You know, our players should want to do that. And a lot of those players were playing that day. So why I don't understand why, you know, they, they wouldn't want to want to do the same. You no, know, get themselves get themselves in contention. You know, get get a goal or two, like Sockler, for example. I mean, Sockler isn't going to start ahead of Mayowski. We know that, but Sockler coming on should be should be busting a gut, what to try and get himself in opportunities, get goals, screaming for the ball, getting himself in the right positions, so that when it comes time for maybe a game where Mayowski, you know, touch with God forbid, is carrying a knock or you know needs to be, you know, is maybe going to be rested or something, you know. You can you can put him in with full confidence that he's going to be able to do something, but didn't didn't really see that. Um, you know, and like I said earlier, the manager the manager said that himself. You know, he was disappointed, um, disappointed when he made the changes. The subs didn't really didn't really come into the game, um, and it, it did. I mean, at the end of it, it didn't matter. You know, all that matters is you know, in the hat for the next round, and we're you no, know, we're there, but. 
I'm greedy and I'd like to see a little bit more from this Aberdeen team, particularly when we're playing uh, lower league opposition that, you know, I know we should be beating them. You know, we've seen that not happen many times in the past before, but when we should be beating them, I, I just want a little bit more from them. I think it so, comes back to what I said after Clyde as well, that we just, there's not, not enough credit in the bank for this team just to coast towards a 2-0 victory absolutely. when they were two up after 35 minutes. It, you know, they need to restore a bit of belief in themselves from the supporting from the supporters. They want to surely be proving to the guy that's in charge for the rest of the season as well that they are deserving of a spot in this team. And it's, again, I think it's dangerous to read too much into a game against lower league opposition. And this is my same mantra after Clyde. And I know you disagreed, uh, Martin. I... I and not saying that we should be storming Petodre with pitchforks because we beat Bonnie Rig 2-0, but there's a lot of the themes that we've seen from this side over the course of this season, which have actually just been reiterated on Saturday. And it is this refusal to win on top of a game, and it hasn't happened that often this season, uh, to actually go for the jugular, kill it, not just kill it off and preserve energy, but to keep going and to give the supporters something to really get excited about. We just haven't seen that. But yeah, that that to me is the bottom line. That this team, this is not a, a team which is performing well, going well on all cylinders, and you can allow them to you know have a half when they're basically coasting, because we're just not good enough to to do that. There's not enough credit in the bank there. Yeah, well, obviously it was a team that was uh, not performing well enough for quite a substantial number of months and so much so that uh, our previous manager, Barry Robson, was relieved of his duties. Um, We quite correctly slapped ourselves on the the back um, after last week's podcast when we were prescient enough to have predicted that the new incoming manager would be one Neil Warnock, and that indeed uh, came to pass. a stunning revelation that nobody else saw coming. Um, so in, in in relation to the, the incoming of what is obviously a very, very big name in in, in the, the UK football world, uh, Martin, how how have you found the support's reaction to his coming in as manager? I think most people, um, most people seem to be fairly positive on it. Um, I think you know, we know it's, you know, we know it's till the just till the end of the season, so I don't think there's really any point in getting you know getting bent out of shape or overexcited about you know it not being it maybe being the wrong move for the future or anything like that because it isn't for the future. It's it's a safe pair of hands, um, and I think most people are quite sensible um, and have realised that um, unless you can know, unless you've got some sort of you know pre pre you know, knowledge of you know, Neil Warnock if you follow English football and I don't know maybe you were on the wrong side of the Battle of Bramall Lane or something which we can come to when we talk about the Aberdeen Kilmarnock game because uh, I think that might be I think that might be the first time McInnes and Warnock will have faced off each other against each other uh, there's, a, there's happened, a game at Rugby know. Park before then was there? there oh, is so there, is, there yeah. is to come that's right so there is okay so um, that, that that might be interesting. We might we might be able to we might be able to get some get a bit of, a bit of spice out of that one. Um, but I think most of the reaction has been fairly fairly positive for him. Um, you know he's you know he, he's 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 said all the right things. I think as well. He knows he knows what he's doing. Um, you know he's he's not he's not stupid. 
Um, he's coming in to do a coming in short term to do a job, um, you know, and I think he's 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 very clever. Um, you know, despite despite the fact that you know some people have tried to kind of twist a few of the things he said um, <clears throat> post match at Ibrox to be you know a little bit too too friendly towards them. I don't really give a shit um, what he what he says in the way that I didn't really you know didn't really give a shit what Barry Robson said after the final. Um, because you no, know, I'd I'd rather won the game and then they could say whatever they want. Um, but it looks like I mean, it'll be interesting how he does it because he's admitted that there's gaps in the squad. He's he's clearly an intelligent guy. He's a he's a he's a good football manager. He spotted immediately that you know we're short of a few bodies. He said that that we know we're needing. He obviously spotted immediately that we're with no width, which is why we saw Johnny Hayes starting at Ibrox. Obviously, we're well aware of his defensive capabilities as well. Um, you know he's. Given Shaden Morris the chance on Saturday, so he's, so he, he knows he knows what we he clearly knows what we need, but we are where you know we are where we are, um, and it's a case of just him having to make the best, um, the best of what we've got at the moment. And I think you know he is one of these kind of guys who is you no know, in his time has went in has been a bit of a firefighter, um, and tried to you know whether it's you know going in at clubs that are in, you know too close to the relegation zone or whatever. Um, so I think most people, I think most people are just realised that you know this is just it's a short term stopgap. Buys the board a bit of time, buys Dave some time to look and see about getting the right guy in, whoever that may be. Um, and I've no real, I've no real issues with it to be honest. Yeah, and it, it it does sound as if he's been a generally well received appointment. Um, certainly judging by his own uh, first hand. Uh, uh, witness evidence of uh, how he's been received at Tesco in Aberdeen. Um, he joked in the post on the pre-match presser to his first game in charge, uh, the the midweek match against Rangers, that um, uh, if the team didn't do well, then he was basically going to blame it on the uh, incumbent coaching team, and then if the game went well, then um, he would have he would have claimed it for himself. I think everybody kind of appreciated that, given the short turnaround, he probably would have had very little input in relation to the lineup, other other than what Martin had mentioned beforehand. I think that Johnny Hayes starting the game was uh, an interjection from Neil Warnock, given that he'd uh, expressed previously his uh, admiration for the player and that he'd been quite keen on getting him in at some of his former clubs. Um, but in, in 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 many respects, he wasn't really too far wrong. It was a it was a game where he was he, he wasn't really going to be under a huge amount of pressure unless we were really taken apart. But in reality, um, although we had a bit of a calamitous start, and there might well be some criticism about you know maybe the team being a bit passive at the start of it. And all, all all in all, it was it was a defeat. But I think it was probably a all 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 in all a, a relatively decent performance given the circumstances. Um, in that we scored, um, which is obviously always quite pleasing. It, it did feel overall that there was something there for us, and to come away with nothing was quite disappointing, especially because they, the home side, barely had a serious effort on our goal, and it's really frustrating to have lost two goals uh, on a night like that, and we'll come on to that in a short while, no doubt, because I think we can attribute one and three quarters of that blame to uh, to one man, unfortunately. I think on Warnock, you've seen an element of the fan base that drinks so heavily from the EPL Kool-Aid that they're thrilled to have even the crumbs from the table in terms of celebrity that uh, Neil Warnock represents. And 
as we said last week, we needed coaches in the building. We needed to bring somebody in, whether they were going to support Peter Levin or however it was going to be done. And, you know, obviously, if you were to allow Peter Levin to stay in charge, you run the risk of um, repeating what you did last year, allowing a caretaker who might have ambitions for the job, for a job in future, to become someone that you can't not appoint. I, I think he's way more than the caricature, which... Um, which we've been hit with, but equally, some of the stuff that I've I've seen written from Aberdeen fans has been astonishingly hyperbolic, even by the by the standards of social media. But you know, we saw likewise with the last couple of uh, managerial appointments as well. I think that's just the way things are now in social media. That everything has to be either the very best or the very very worst. There is absolutely no in between. There's no room whatsoever in your 280 characters for shades of grey and hopefully you know those shades are what we can start to discuss and talk about on longer formats such as this it's certainly very grey on on this podcast that's that's for certain whether it whether it's got any nuance or subtlety that's another matter at all but it's certainly very grey um you know people are over analyzing absolutely everything it's a theme i've come back to in the last few weeks and and you know trying to attach way more significance to to little things which you know i don't think he is actually maybe thinking these things through i think his explanation for example for dante polvara getting the captain's armband in the second half on saturday I don't think he attaches any significance to it. Uh, it was just a case of if he'd made the decision to take Shinny off because he thought the game was won, Shinny was on a booking. Okay, right, here you go. Um, whether he's not in a position to determine whether he thinks Paul Barra is a, a captain candidate for the future because he won't be here in the future. So he doesn't care about that stuff. So th- there is that desperation to attach more significance to the sort of things that he's doing in his early days. And certainly... Tuesday was very, very early days. What I would say about the setup, the four-five-one, was obviously it was it was very similar to how we'd how we'd set out against Celtic. Um, Left hand side, as I've spoken about earlier, Pays and McKenzie. I thought they did really well defensively. Nothing going forward, unfortunately. But that's it was the same for most of the team for most of the evening. Um, on the right hand side was where the home side were having most of their early joy. But still, the goals we lost, that first goal, it's about the worst. You know, short of letting it through his legs, what's he trying to do? He's never even trying to catch that and it's come at him so slowly. He's actually deliberately trying to parry that out. And it's a trait that I've I've picked up on from his very earliest days, from like one of the first times I've seen him, I was commenting on it because it's, He's been doing it right from the start. There is a tendency, absolutely, uh, and it's far more pronounced probably amongst continental goalkeepers to punch and to clear it rather than attempt to catch. And I suppose with modern footballers moving about the place, you can understand that. But it's about getting that clearance away from the danger position. And he's repeatedly (laughs) pushed things back into even more dangerous positions. And yeah, that first goal on Tuesday... The second wasn't much better. It was a better strike originally, absolutely. But I think he sees that all the way. And I think he can do much, much better than to, again, put it back into a really dangerous position. I've got to also say that on both goals, 
you've got defenders who are standing there assuming the goalkeeper's gonna gonna deal with it and pull that in. Surely by now, surely they would understand that they've got to be more alert in that situation. They've got to be alive to the possibility of it coming back off Kelleris. And the second goal looked worse than the first, I think, because obviously in the first you're attributing way more blame to the keeper. I, I do think Nicky Devlin, for, his, for the praise that um, we've given him this season, and he's done, he's been a really solid signing. We saw on Saturday a fantastic goal line clearance to prevent it going 1-1 on Saturday. But I do think he's he's sleeping a little bit for that second goal. So that was a, that to me was a real frustration. A home team which had a lot of pressure, had a lot of the ball, but really didn't have a serious effort on goal, which was quite similar actually to the first game at Ibrox this season when obviously we won 3-1. And again that day, their goal was an absolute gift from Kelarus. Just weren't able to get things moving going forward in the same way that we did back in um, September, October, whenever that was. And that to me was a real disappointment because obviously when we did, um, I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's a perfectly weighted through ball. I mean, Barron's just trying to hit that space in behind the defence and allow Bill Romijowski to get one-on-one against Goldson and take your chances from that point onwards. As it turned out, it's into a great area. Miofsky's won that race and beyond that, he's then got the strength and physicality. And again, I talked about Miofsky having added so many more bows to his string or at least showing these different qualities over the course of this season that we didn't necessarily see last season. The ability to hold off the physicality of Goldson because that's certainly something Goldson has. And then produce the finish, the calm, collected finish, just to lift it over the goalkeeper. Great stuff, great finish, and puts us right back in that game after a first half when we really didn't look like creating anything whatsoever. I think more generally, though, the performance as a whole was really a lot of what we've seen this season. And it's it's less so in the games against the Rangers or Celtic, because we are generally being outgunned in those games. But I'm thinking about so many of the other games where, you know, we're creating not very much at all. Maybe, a, you know, looking at stats, broadly creating about 1xG every game. Um, in fact, you can you can count on the fingers of um, one hand how many in how many Premier League games that we've uh, managed to create an XG approaching two that would round up to two. Um, and almost every game it's been won. And in almost every game, the opposition have had broadly the same or, more likely, slightly better chances. Created slightly more than we have. We've just seen that so often, so often. You know, no wonder people were getting frustrated at what was what they were seeing because it was ultimately the same story week in, week out. Didn't matter who the opposition was. You know, going back, looking at... And XG is not a perfect measure, of course it's not. But, you know, the 20... What are we at? 23 league games this season. Only in three of those league games would we actually have won the game on XG. Um, Now, we've done better than that in real life. Not much better than that. I think it's six wins domestically. But three games. So that's Hibs away. And they all came within quite a narrow window. Hibs away in um, early December. Hearts at home a couple of weeks after that. And Livingston at home 10 days or so after that. Uh, Those are the only three games in which we have an XG that rounds up to more than the opposition's XG would round up to in the league. Uh, Really a very sort of telling stat because it has been Groundhog Day time and time again. 
not creating enough, not really having control of these games time after time. And that's that's the big shift that needs to happen. Uh, we have to get more control of these run-of-the-mill SPFL games. And, you know, we can talk about trying to reach Kilmarnock and forth. We can talk about all the stuff. We've just got to take it game by game. And that obviously starts Wednesday. It, it does indeed start on Wednesday. And... Yeah, that this is this is something, Martin, that I was wanting to put to yourself, but also to Richard, because with the game against Rangers out of the way, this now leaves Aberdeen with a run of ten fixtures, where the games against the the top three clubs in the league, as it stands, Celtic Rangers and Hearts, and again they, um, as as much as uh, our aspirations to catch Hearts in third may remain very 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 slim, the reality is we're a good 23 points behind them in the table now. Um, but yeah, we have now played all of our pre-split fixtures against those three teams, and that now leaves a run of 10 games towards the split um, against the, the, the rest of the league, against the glob of other teams that are probably doing about as well as each other. Um, we've, as a, as a, as a club, the, the, the uh, board have made the decision to no longer carry on with Barry Robson and have brought Neil Warnock in charge very specifically with a remit to see what you can do with this club between now and, 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 and the end of the season. Um, what what do you think is a realistic target for... Um, you don't necessarily have to put a points tally on it, but what, what would you be expecting as uh, uh, a performance over the next 10 games which would have justified making that managerial switch and, 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 and getting someone else in in charge. Um, I've expected 30 points, Martin, and no, no, no less. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, I, I don't think, no, realistically, I could obviously can't put, um, can't put a number number on it. Um, I think it's very, it's, we'll probably find it, we'll probably be, it'd be a lot easier to, to talk about that. Uh, no, after when we do next week's podcast, because obviously this, this, this week, you know, we're sitting ninth, and we play the teams team that's eighth, and then we play the team that's seventh. Um, so that'll probably tell us a little bit more. But as you say, there is the glob of teams. Um, you know, I think it's like we're on twenty five. Um, you know, I think I think six places on twenty nine or thirty. I think that's Dundee. I, I don't have it in front of me. I looked, did look earlier. So you know, you're looking, but just as Richard says, it just it. It's, I know it's the most obvious and the most simple football thing, and Warnock has said it himself, game by game. It's just about you know approaching these games, coming up against these teams, you know, and trying to get trying to put wins on the board. Um, obviously, the bare minimum I accept is to us what for us to once again lift the Jimmy Calderwood top six trophy. Um, but if that's if that's if that's the best we can do, I would I would be disappointed. Uh, because I, th- I do think that the group of players we've got, we're capable. We're ca- even with the limitations that we have in the squad. I think we're capable of doing better. Um, no, I think you look at the you know, look at the, t- the t- where the, where we are on the table. Obviously, sitting in ninth, but we've got ten games against teams that. You know, it's not a case of we should be beaten because of the way we are this season. You know, that's that's just not a thing, but. We're in a position where we've got a very good opportunity. Opportunity now, where we're not going to come up against Celtic. We're not going to come, no. We're not going to have a morale sapping, you know, game at Parkhead where, you know, we end up, 
you know, taking another 5-0 or a 6-0, you know, that sets, maybe takes a bit of confidence out of the team. We don't have that. We've got you know, games against teams that we are capable of beating. It's just a case of whether we can do it. Uh, obviously, Motherwell had a pretty awful result on Friday night, going out the cup to Morton. So, you know, again, you know, everybody, you know, you, all you'll read over the next couple of days is, of course, that they'll be, you know, there'll be a reaction, all this kind of stuff. Um, but we're sitting level on points with Motherwell. You know, you beat them, move, beat them, we can move up a place in the table. Um, I think we move up two places actually. I think because Hibs are was one point ahead of us. So, you know. <laughs> It just, it just, it is. It's, it's, it's lazy, but it's as simple as just saying it is. Really, is game by game. We need to put these wins on. I think if you know in those, those ten games, I think if we take you know somewhere between twenty-two and twenty-five points, um, I think we'll be you know more than secure. I think that would probably be enough to put us. We'll probably end up carrying us up to maybe fourth. Definitely, definitely, fifth or sixth would be in top six anyway. So, be, I mean, it's interesting to see, but the only way we'll the only way we'll know is well. I think we'll know more when we do this podcast probably next Sunday, or whenever we do one after uh, post Hibs. Yeah, and of course, the the immediate matches between then and now are um, a couple of back to back home games. We'll be welcoming Motherwell on Wednesday. A team that looked as if they were rolling into a, a bit of form with uh, a 5-0 hammering of Ross County, albeit, I think, in, in reality, again, that might have put a completely different gloss on the result we had there in January. That that seems to be a result that every team was getting against them. Um, and then, of course, Motherwell collapsed back down to earth with uh, a defeat at Morton in the Cup last Friday night. Um, and then on Saturday, um, uh, a home game against Hibs, uh, a team that in, in recent times we've really struggled against, um, albeit a, a League Cup victory in the semi-final, but very much against the run of play. And, of course, the last time they visited uh, Pitodri, they, they came away with a 2-0 win. So, um, as, as, as Martin said, there are games that we should be uh, going into with an expectation of victory, but um, uh, again, <laughs> the evidence of the season so far has said that you can't really take anything for granted in these matches, Richard. Yeah, uh, there was a point today when St. Johnson were winning at Dens that we were sitting 10th in the table, and I don't think you could really overly argue with that as, as being unfair in this Aberdeen team. We just haven't put the points in the board, and as I say, game after game after game, we're not proving ourselves to be better than the opposition in the rest of this league. In fact, quite the opposite. So, yeah, to come back to that theme, it just has to be a case of trying to demonstrate that we can beat Motherwell on Wednesday, that we can then move on and and beat um, Hibs on Saturday. We are, you know, we're quite unlucky in a way that third is so far ahead because that is very very unusual for Hearts to have done that you know that's matching the points tally at the moment is kind of matching what Derek McInnes was churning out for Aberdeen and that was very often for second place finishes whether they end up there is another matter entirely obviously because certainly post split you play the bigger teams and Hearts record against the old firm is probably worse than ours but you know we're slightly unlucky in that regard that that's so far way over the horizon I'm not going to do that however that has to be counteracted by the fact that we're quite lucky that the teams between fourth and tenth that there's not really anything between them so therefore top six finish is very much still on the cards that European football through the league is still also very much on the cards so those are realistic targets again we're probably quite lucky 
that Ross County in particular has spent the last two months uh, with this bizarre nostalgia trip with Derek Adams and picked up next to no points because otherwise the gap between us in ninth and the playoff place in 11th would be much, much smaller than it currently is. Um, it's We're not in a good place domestically. There is time to rescue this, but right now this team haven't really shown anything domestically in the league that they are capable of putting the sort of runs together that we hope will put us back into serious contention. And and absolutely, right now, Kilmarnock, St Mirren, Dundee have all impressed far, far more than we have across the course of this campaign and deserve to be playing top six football far more than Aberdeen. Now that's not what will decide who ends up in the top six. It will be how many points we have after 33 games and hopefully Aberdeen put themselves above that target. But it's going to be a fight and it's going to be hard work and there's no point looking too far ahead with this team. There really isn't. Yeah, there's there, there's no guarantees with results with this team, but the the one reassuring factor is that with ten games still to go, um, the destiny of at least a top six finish is firmly within the club's own destiny. And as you've both alluded to, we'll undoubtedly have a better picture of uh, how likely that achievement is going to be uh, next week after after our next couple of home games. So. Until then, uh, I think we'll wrap things up for tonight. My thanks again to Martin Clunas. Thank you very much, uh, Martin. Um, just want to say, come on to 49ers. Um, anything, anything to just say, Auntie e. Taylor Swift. Um, just get that in there. And to Richard A. Uh, thank you very much, Martin. <laughs> and as Taylor Swift will undoubtedly be cheering out from her uh, private suite tonight... Come on, you reds.